care what you heard, don't care what you heard. I'm taking it all cause I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. What is up guys? Welcome to another episode of my podcast Unleashed. And today I have a special Yes, and I have tremendous respect for this guy because the amount of dedication and commitment and overall, honestly, just encouragement that he has given to other people in the fitness area, uh, he, he's just a really good guy. So I'm really happy to have him on. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, guys. My name is Isaac Broughton. I'm a fitness coach and a bodybuilding specialist as well as a nutritionist. And I've also had the pleasure with working with Kai and helping him out on his fitness transformations. Awesome, man. So uh, how did you get into fitness? What, what is your story? When did you decide you wanted to become a personal trainer and do what you do? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I actually got into fitness when I was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. um, my father and I, we decided that we were going to start working out together. I was not an athletic kid. I was not a kid that was good at sports or anything like that. My father was um, having some health issues at the time, high blood pressure, uh, weight issues. So he thought it'd be a good idea for us to start um, working out together and have some father-son bonding. Um, he had a friend, a friend of his who was a professional bodybuilder from Denmark. His name was Soren. And Soren knew we were, gonna, we were working out together. We bought a garage set or a weight set for our garage. And he said, hey, look, if you guys are going to be working out, let me show you how to do it the right way. So I learned all the basics of bodybuilding and strength training um, between the age of 12 and 13, and I just fell in love with it. And I've been doing it consistently ever since and just continuing to further my education and my own practice and experience. And it's just been a passion of mine going on about 18 years now. Man, that's, that's all. I didn't even know that. That's pretty cool. I know you got started that early. And, uh, you know, from seeing the way that you look now, like most people would assume like you second you were born you had like muscles and an eight pack and shit you know but right. <laughs> yeah but um so what are the most common problems you see in people who work out and exercise especially when they first start or they've been doing it for a while uh, maybe they're not seeing any type of growth or um, progress in the way that they can reach their goals what are the what are the main common problems that you see well that's a really good question you know i think some of the common problems that i see is that people aren't taking a minute to recognize what are the habits that they need to create to reach these goals you know what are the habits right now that they have that are limiting them from achieving that and also really looking at what they're working with you know what who am i what what is what are my genetics you know what is my metabolic type what is my my physiological type you know what makes me me and what type of training what type of diet is going to work for me I think um, people struggle because they start with uh, the wrong foundation or they get secondhand information from a friend or, you know, somebody who calls himself a coach but doesn't have the knowledge or experience to back up what they are um, teaching other people. All right, so that's why I actually wanted to talk to you about this because I told you before, uh, one of my main things is I never take advice from, from someone who doesn't have the re results that I want to achieve myself. So that's why I wanted to get to you because obviously like I want to head towards the body type that you have. So um, the next thing I want to ask is uh, what really is important to achieving your fitness goals? Like I think there's a mindset, but also I think there's a problem that people have. Like they want to take shortcuts. They want to, you know, with, especially with so much information today, it's like, you could go on YouTube, you go on Instagram, there's so many different uh, experts and all these other people. And it's like, how do you really know which personal trainer or which advice to go for, especially when you're starting in today's age where there's, there's just so much information. So I see a lot of people there taking, uh, you know, they're doing this diet and going to this diet and this diet. And it's just, you see, you see like the main problem with that. So what is important when you're trying to make like, your fitness goal or your uh, ideal body type that you want to achieve, what would you think or what is the main problems with that? Or what would you give advice to those people? That's a really good question. Um, what I think is that the, the problem with, with people getting started and, and not knowing where to start or wanting to get started off on the right foot is, is first understanding a basis of how to eat, you know, and there are a lot of trainers out there and a lot of people on Instagram 
you know, trying to sell gimmicks and trying to sell quick fixes and getting people to fixate on a goal rather than getting excited about the process, building their mentality to start liking the work and the effort that goes in to reaching this goal, the, the lifestyle changes, the changes that you make to your daily structure, you know, with, with prioritizing time for food and time for the gym. Um, the main thing is when it comes to dieting is, is if, and, or any coaches out there trying to help someone or teach someone, you know that they're, that they're going to help you if they're encouraging you to make sure that you're getting enough food. Someone that's going to encourage you to nourish your body, make sure that you're eating not only to build size and strength, but you're eating to burn fat. My problem with a lot of people out there these days and, and a lot of trainers in this oversaturated industry is, is selling people on these gimmicks, these fad diets, these temporary diets, you know, keto diets, you know, carb backloading, all these, all these random things. And that's not a sustainable way of dieting. You know, these, these just, let's just drop your calories into a deficit. Let's try to get you to lose weight as quick as possible. That's not the goal. When we're talking about changing our bodies, the change is just one part of the, of the process. But the biggest part of that is being able to maintain when you get there. So knowing how to eat and use food and use calories to our benefit rather than taking them away, starving ourselves to a goal and, and just fixating on the result versus building your mindset around the overall change, the lifestyle change that you're going to have. You know, so the, the thing is you need a coach that's going to teach you you know, that not to be afraid of food, not to be afraid of calories, not to get stuck in this mentality of always being in a caloric deficit, because I guarantee you, that's not what it takes. You know, long-term maintenance and long-term results come from nourishing your body and taking care of it and feeding it and in not being on some kind of temporary diet that just seems trendy at the time. And unfortunately, a lot of these trainers out here, they're, they're trend followers. They, they need these gimmicks and, and these these things to, to sell themselves or to reach out to people, but you just need somebody who can communicate with you on a real level and, and get you to be um, okay with, you know, eating. Number one, you know, getting your calories up, building up your metabolism, building up your body mass to support that metabolism, to support these changes. You know, when we talk about dieting, we're not just talking about getting a result, but we're also talking about you know, eating to main, maintain a good hormonal balance, to maintain a good mood. It's hard to do those things when we're starving ourselves. So if you're reaching out to a, to a coach or a trainer and they're trying to, to take you on one of these gimmicky, trendy type of, um, you know, eight-week transformation things, to me, that would be a, a red flag, not really a good place to start. Yeah, because that's definitely what I see a lot, especially with some of my friends and people that I've known is they'll get on these diets and it's kind of like, it's a it's a big sacrifice so it's like i can't eat this i can't do that i can't take this and it's like i see them get so burnt out especially over a month or two and then they end up giving up on their goals and there's like oh this doesn't work and maybe they'll try again in like another year and they'll try you know doing the same thing like try to just uh you know like just their diet isn't consistent with like long term and um that goes into like some people will dirty bulk like what is your opinion on that to get to their goals versus clean bulking what, what is the difference? That's a good question also. So what we want to think about here, when we're talking about bodybuilding, um, when we're talking about like maintenance, um, being able to maintain our goals, our results, or even when we're talking about strength for strength athletes and powerlifters, the thing is we want, to, we want to do it over a period of time. If we take our time to build a little bit of strength every month, a little bit of muscle every month, and, and just a little bit as we go, we're going to maintain that a lot more. We're okay. going to hold on to that. Our body's going to recognize that. So having these, um, these, these quick fixes or, or, you know, whether it's these drastic caloric deficits or this dirty bulking, it doesn't sustain anything. You know, if, if, if I am training for a strength event and I didn't give myself enough time for preparation, you know, and I, and I need to put on as much strength and as much size so I can compete with these bigger, heavier guys, then, you know, I might not have a choice but to have some dirty bolt going into my routine. Mm -hmm. but, but my opinion on it, it comes down to give yourself enough time. You know, when it comes to dirty bulking, to me, someone who 
has to dirty bulk to get um, some extra strength or size did not allow themselves enough time. They're not preparing properly for what they want. Um, it doesn't really, it doesn't look good. It's not healthy. Um, and, and then at the end of the day, when you're transitioning back into a normal way of things, you're going to have a lot of issues trying to lose a lot of this extra body fat you gained and balance out your hormones and create a new structure where you don't have all these food cravings because you're having a lot of junk food. It's going to throw off your cravings for things and, and all of that. So it's going to make it a lot harder for you to even think about a clean diet afterward. So my opinion on dirty bulking is, you know, it, it, don't do it. You know, give yourself time, whether you're cutting, whether you're bulking, give yourself the necessary time to where you can build something that, that doesn't require something so drastic of a nutritional change. Now, having a little bit of some unhealthy foods in your diet, if you're really trying to put on a lot of strength and size, you know, it, within a certain amount of time is going to be there. You know, you're not going to have somebody just eating just pure, strictly clean foods and think they're going to gain, you know, 40, 50 pounds of muscle in six months, you know, or make these just drastic strength gains. You're going to have a higher caloric intake. It just depends on what it is. You know, if, if you're uh, an average size person, you only need so many calories. If you're a monstrous, you know, six, six, 300 pound person, you're going to have a lot more calories. So how do we get all those calories in? You know, we might have some cheat meals. We might have some, some higher calorie days. But what it comes down to is prioritizing your time. Prioritizing your time during the day to make sure that you're eating enough meals. You're, you're, getting, your, you're getting your calories in so that you're not falling behind and having to make up for it with junk food. So that we're not missing things and trying to, trying to cram all these calories in in a cheap, uh, quicker way during the day. You know, like I, I don't really condone dirty bulking because it doesn't give a good result. And then we have to go and clean up the mess when we're done. You know, just give yourself the time to make sure that you're getting enough calories, whether that means you're a 180 pound person who only has to eat four or five times a day, or you're a 300 pound person who has to eat, you know, seven times a day to get that calorie intake while still keeping the foods healthy. You know, that's something that our body is going to use and it wants to use. You know, it just comes down to time. So I think that's the main problem today, isn't it? It's just everybody seems to just want everything really quickly with like the least amount of work. So they kind of try to cram everything together, whether that's a diet, they want to get there a faster way. So they, you know, go to dirty bulking or maybe they go into the opposite if they want to lose weight, like starvation or something, or they'll go to these like six week, eight week plans. It, it seems like it comes from the problem of wanting things too quickly instead of like sustainability over a long term. So would you say that's accurate or? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that not only is that accurate, but it's becoming more and more of a trend these days, you know, with social media influence and everybody seeing, you know, seeing these things and they go, I want this now, you know, I want to be like these people. I want to, I want to, I want to compete with this crowd and everybody just gets into this, that falls into this mentality where they want something, they want it now. And they undermine the, the importance of the work and the importance of the practice, because the thing is, and I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine the other day about this. A friend of mine was saying, he was like, you know what? I wish that I could just wake up tomorrow in my dream body. And I told him, I said, I said, no, you don't. He said, why not? I said, if you woke up in that body tomorrow without any practice into building that body, you would not maintain it. You wouldn't maintain it. You don't have the structure. You don't have the enthusiasm. You don't have anything the practice to go into it. So wanting something to come quick means that we're undermining and underappreciating the work and the effort. You know, we do these drastic things to make it happen. And then once we get there, we don't maintain it. We don't yeah. know how. We, we don't have the, the desire to, to do so. So that's, that's definitely a, a problem. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so what is the difference in uh, let's say fitness goals between building muscle like bulking and someone who wants to do the opposite, lose weight. What are the two main differences in, in achieving those goals, especially uh, between men and women? What are, what are the differences there? Good question. You know, there is not a whole lot of a difference between men and women. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people think there's this, this big divide between men and women, how they work out, how they eat. There really isn't. You know, what it comes down to 
is food um, and workouts. We gotta be working out. We have to be doing the weight training. You know, when we're weight training, that's when we're shaping and we're sculpting our body to what we wanna see. Anyone can lose fat, but what are we gonna look at when we take that fat off? We need to, to build our bodies to an extent to have the look that we wanna have. When we're doing exercise, when we're, when we're working out, we are using that as our foundation to burn extra calories. So when we're following a diet, if we're trying to build muscle, we're in a little bit of a caloric surplus, we're using those calories to help us gain, whether you're a man or a woman. And then the exercise that we're doing is helping us keep a window of this glycogen expenditure and burning this extra body fat and allowing us to use that higher caloric intake. The more calories we want to have, the more important it is that we have a good, like in, intense, consistent workout regimen. Um, if we're trying to lose weight, it doesn't mean underdoing things. It doesn't mean obsessing on cardio. Um, you know, the importance of having a good amount of lean body mass, even if it's, you know, just enough to have the look to your body that you want is going to really help support your metabolism. And then what it comes down to is your food. When we're cutting, okay, we don't want to starve ourselves. We want to make sure that we're just getting enough of what we need to maintain our body's lean mass so that our body can go into burning anything extra that it wants to over a number of weeks. We don't need to starve ourselves when we're building, okay? We still have the same workout intensity going in. So we can increase those calories gradually. And as we gain a little bit of muscle and our metabolic rate increases, we can add a little bit of calories. It is no different between a man or a woman at all. Yeah, you made me actually realize that with the diet plan alone that you gave me, because my main problem was when I first approached you, I always, my weight always fluctuated between 140 and 145. And I thought I would never be able to get over that 145. So just from your diet plan alone and the workout uh, practice that we did together, like it has helped me. I've stuck with it over the past few months and it's just, I haven't, I've never seen the, the results that I've gotten, especially staying consistent with it. Like I haven't actually deviated from it like maybe uh, you know every now and then i'll have like a little bit more calories than i should or maybe sometimes i'm not feeling as hungry so i'll eat less but just diet alone has just made such a massive change so i went from 140 to 145 to now i'm, I'm almost closing on 170 and i tell people all the time like i credit you 100 percent for that just your advice just for all that like i never understood how important diet was to uh, making my fitness goals so when it comes to diet, like how important is it to the, you know, the average person? Like what percentage wise would you say like, uh, you know, versus exercise, diet versus exercise? How important is it to getting to your goals? Diet is everything. I, everybody's got a different opinion on, on percentage. I say diet is 75% of what, of what we're doing in terms of maintaining um, a, your body fat percentage. You know, the exercise helps us burn. We know that. You know, building muscle helps us increase our, our metabolic rate. We know that. But how we eat is going to determine, you know, how much we're going to store, how much we're going to use, even if we're not exercising. So diet plays the biggest role, you know. And like you said, some days you might not, you might have a little bit more. Some days you might have a little bit less. But the importance of having the structure and, and giving our body what it needs and knowing what, what do I need? How much do I need? You know, how much is too much? How much is too little? and staying in the middle, it really gets your body set in a good way. And it keeps your metabolism working consistently. Your metabolism, it doesn't like change. It loves consistency. Mm -hmm. So when we get onto a, a plan and we're, we're taking care of it, we can, it's okay if we have those days where we're a little low or we're a little high. We're not going to digress. But if mm -hmm. we don't have our diet in play to begin with, then those, those days where we're low, those days where we're high, they will have negative uh, impact on that week, on the month, in terms of what we're gaining or, or losing or not gaining or losing. So it, it makes the biggest role because it's not going to build the body that you want, but it, it has everything to do with maintaining the type of conditioning that you want to have. That makes a lot of sense, man. Um, well, what is the, okay, so for, oh, here's another question I wanted to ask because I've actually had this question from a lot of different people. Um, there's so many supplements. How important are supplement, supplements to your growth? And which ones should people really, like, which ones do they really need to buy if they need to buy any at all? That's a really good question. So when I focus on supplements, 
I focus a lot on micronutrients. There are a lot of supplements out there that, again, are just completely unnecessary. They're very gimmicky. Um, you want to say, these, like, which ones? Like, would you not recommend? Like, a lot of these natural testosterone boosters that have big claims. Um, big thing I like to kind of steer people away from, and my clients are, are a lot of the different diuretics that are out there. Mm -hmm. You know, those things don't really give us that extra edge or that extra benefit. What, we, what people are usually lacking in and need to pay more attention to are their micronutrients. So if we have any kind of vitamin deficiencies or things that we should be paying attention to that's going to help optimize our hormones, that's important. Making sure that we're getting enough protein or enough essential amino acids, okay, that's important. I love utilizing essential amino acids to help with different things. If we're talking about weight loss, using things like L-citrulline, L-carnitine, you know, to help us with having better metabolic functions and, and utilizing energy in workouts and, and for endurance, you know, focusing on, on those types of supplements, micronutrients, essential amino acids, those are going to be crucial because those go right next to your diet and it helps your body on a cellular level with repair, with optimizing and, and regulating hormones. That's what we want to take care of. The problem with supplements is people don't think that those little building blocks are that significant. So they, they lean towards these other supplements that promise these bigger results, these, these bigger claims, more weight loss, more mass. And really, those don't contribute like that, the way that someone is expecting it to do so. So a lot of those like, you know, high stimulant pre-workouts and claim it gives you the best pump in the world, you know, when really high stimulant is not uh, gonna help induce um, vasodilation is vasorestrictive. You know, knowing how to utilize these micronutrients is not getting caught up on the big claims from these, these so-called mass builders and these diuretics that don't really help us burn that much more body fat. So can you give us like a good starter kit? Like what is it exactly people should start with? Because uh, I've heard like your daily vitamin is like a really good one. Uh, there's a, probably like a good protein, maybe like a post-workout. Like what is your starter kit for the beginner or even for like someone who doesn't know like which, uh, which products to pick or what supplements to pick? What's a good starter kit for, you know, your average person trying to, let's say, build muscle or, uh, or lose weight? Is there a difference? Um, not really. I mean, for the, for the most part, it's relatively the same. I'd say a really good starter kit. You know, you're going into your program, you already have a, a, a nutritional structure laid out. You know how many calories you're going to get. You know what your workout frequency and program is going to look like. So on the supplement side, I'd say really having a, having a good essential amino acid supplement. Whether you're using that during the day to add to your overall um, needs for protein, um, especially post-workout. I'd say a lot of time people are buying these BCAAs for post-workout. Okay, and the thing about that is that's only three essential amino acids. Now, these BCAAs say that they, oh, you know, help induce protein synthesis because of the leucine that's in it. Well, we need a certain amount of leucine to um, turn that switch for protein synthesis, and most of these supplements don't have enough to do so. I always encourage people, get a good essential amino acid supplement to take post-workout versus just a BCAA. Always want to have some L-glutamine to do post-workout. Sometimes I'll do five grams before, five grams after, or just 10 grams post. It's a really good just reparative supplement that does a lot of good stuff for your body. Anyone that does any kind of moderate activity, it would benefit them. Um, a good multivitamin is key, helps with how our bodies are uptaking some of these nutritions. Um, creatine is not necessary. I hear that all the time. What about creatine? I haven't taken creatine in well over a decade. When I did, I never really noticed a difference. Some people might beg to differ. Is it necessary? No. Really focusing again on those aminos. Um, my, my opinion on fat burners is very little. You know, anything that, that increasing your heart rate that might maybe help you burn an extra couple hundred calories a day is, is just inconsistent and hard to monitor. It doesn't really contribute that much. Um, there aren't many real mass building supplements out there that don't walk the line of, you know, androgens or androgen-like compounds. So if we're talking about, you know, I'm going to go to super supplements tomorrow or GNC, what do I need? 
essential amino acid supplement, L-glutamine supplement, a, a good multivitamin, um, protein powder. If you're, if you're not getting enough from your food or you want to make sure that you have some so that you can supplement when you miss a meal, um, whey isolate is the way to go. Some people have sensitive digestive systems and that whey concentrate sense tends to aggravate their you know, gassiness or just upset stomach. A good whey isolate uh, is going to be key. And that's just going to be the basis of what you need starting out. Everything else is going to come from the food and the workouts. And if there is anything that one should add in the mix, to my opinion, that, that is based off of what they need. Or is there some hormone or something that's off in their body that other supplements can help balance out? But, you know, we're talking about health and we're talking about results. It all comes down to having a good hormonal balance in our body. And those, those micronutrients are what's going to help us not only on the repair side, but help us keep that balance in our system so that everything stays the course where we want it to go. Okay, so just to reiterate that, you said a good starter kit would be L-glutamine, uh, essential amino acid, a post-workout, and a good protein like a whey isolate, but that also depends based on your body chemistry. Would that be accurate? Correct, and also a multivitamin. Just oh, multivitamin. Yes, okay. And what about brands? Does it really matter? Because if you walk into your average, like let's say GNC or vitamin shop, there's so many different options to choose. Uh, does it matter what brand or do you, is there any brands you recommend over the others? Which brands you recommend to stay away from? Um, you know, it's, it's always changing. Um, like every, every year, every couple of years, it seems like there's, there's new brands. Um, it seems like some of the brands that were really good that were testing with good quality, good potency to, to what they were putting out. Sometimes those companies decide to go a little bit cheaper on the quality of the aminos that they're putting in their stuff or the quality of these ingredients. Um, there are websites where people share um, their results where, where they test supplements. Anyone can test a supplement for its, its purity, its potency. And there are websites out there where, where people just like you and I will share the results from testing their, their proteins, their aminos, things like that. Um, I'd say when it comes to brands, um, certain brands that I've known to not be very good or not be a good quality are going to be like generic store brands. So if we go to GNC, I know they have their own line, pretty mm. much everything in that line is going to be garbage. You really? know, vitamin shops got their own line. A lot of their supplements are garbage because they, they pinch pennies on the, the quality of the micronutrients that they're getting. So sometimes, um, some, uh, some brands might seem a little bit pricier, but it's probably because they are um, cons being consistent with their um, ingredients. Um, mm -hmm. I am I kind of have favorites when it comes to proteins. I have favorites when it comes to um, other things. But mm -hmm. I'd say um, you know just when you if you have an idea on what supplement brand is in front of you at that time, or someone's trying to sell you do some research because there are, there is a lot of research out there online where you can see, you know, what's a good quality protein. Like for example, we're talking about good quality protein. I really love the dimatized protein. I love the isopure protein. Protein that, that's, that's not so good would be protein like muscle milk. Okay, like um, coming back with a lot of fillers and, and, and cheap, cheap ingredients in it. You know, but some of these, these brands that seem more popular among people, you know, that seem to be more common, um, might not be like the best things, you know? So it just comes down to, um, you know, having, just doing a little bit of research and just looking at, you know, what is the quality of the micronutrients that this company is putting into these products? I don't think I have a favorite brand for, for all products. I think it, each company does well or better with certain things. So um, that's really just where, where I stand on that. It's really interesting because you can walk into your average store and one of the most popular items they have is muscle milk in there. So I didn't even know that, like hearing that that one has, you know, a lot of garbage ingredients, as you say. So I think that's really beneficial for people to hear. Um, 
but also I wanted you to explain a little bit about, uh, you know, for the average person who maybe doesn't, you know, maybe they're starting out or maybe they've even been working out for a while, but they haven't uh, really had a trainer or anything like that. How do you explain macros and how to find a good diet that works for them? To reach that's, really good, that's a good question. So I feel like nowadays, at least like from my experience, meeting with people and doing consultations, everybody seems to want a formula, a magic formula. They want, they want numbers. They want calorie count. They want, they want something that they just can plug in and think is just going to work for them. But in the reality, when we're talking about setting up macros and setting up a diet, we're looking at a few main things. We're looking at frequency. How often are we eating? What are we trying to do? Are we trying to uh, pick up our metabolism and, and keep it consistent? Are we trying to elevate that? You know, how many times a day are we eating? Okay. Um, we're looking at, when we're talking about calories, I hate the word calories. I like to focus on macros because macros makes us focus on what our body's needs are. How much protein do I need? How much fat is okay to, for me to be around? What's, what's, what's too much or too little? How much carbs do I need? You know, it's like when, when, you, when you're working with a coach or a, or a personal trainer, you're having somebody evaluate these things. If I'm looking at somebody who's going to be, you know, weight training four times a week, I may have their carbohydrate intake a little bit higher on those days because they're going to be using those, those carbs, you know, um, protein. Okay. Just, I've, I've heard a lot of stuff about it. Um, I, I, I feel like a lot of people are taking too much or more than what they need. You know, I say maybe a gram per pound of body weight is enough. That's plenty. In fact, some people don't need as much. Some people are more genetically inclined to build and hold muscle and they don't need as much protein. So um, I, the reason why we might take that higher for somebody that might not need it to be higher necessarily is if we need to increase their calories from the lean source and we're trying to monitor their carbs or fats for whatever reason. Um, the thing with setting up a diet is understanding that you're not always going to be eating the same way. This is where a lot of trainers um, hit plateaus with their clients or people hit plateaus with themselves. They go, give me that one number but I'm going to plug in and I'm going to follow all week. Well, that's not how it works. Life isn't so black and white. We're not, we're not just doing the same exact level of effort and energy expenditure every day. So we need to think about on our days when we're more active, what's a, what's a good baseline carbohydrate intake for me to start at? And then and it's going to be a little bit higher than it's going to be on the days that we're not active. Um, when, we, when any coach is working with any athlete, when we, when we sit down some numbers, and say, here's your macros. We put that into play and we, we practice it. Now, those numbers are going to change based off of how we see our body responding. Do we need more? Do we need less? You know, how, those numbers are going to get adjusted so that we start to figure out how our body uses these calories. Does your body utilize fat and carbs better than my body? You know, what, what, what's too high? If, we're, if we set a, a number out, macros, and someone's you know, losing weight and they hit a plateau, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean that we need to increase something? Does that mean that we need to lower something? You know, when it comes to fats, I, I generally will start somebody's fat about 0.5 of whatever their, their body mass is, unless, you know, they're an obese person or, you know, even somebody, you know, on that overweight scale, you know, I, I tend to base someone's macros off of their lean body mass percentage. So if I'm um, going to base your, your fats or your, your protein or carbs on something, I'm going to look at, you know, am I working with an individual that's, you know, relatively lean? Am I working with an individual that's overweight? Because when you set out something and just put it into practice, it's going to start working. And whether I'm setting out um, a, a macro intake for someone who's overweight and I'm giving them a little less carbs and fats than what they would show that they need in terms of these formulas that people get online, they're going to, they're going to have a response. They're going to start losing weight. They're going to have a, a metabolic increase. And then after the body adapts to it, after however many weeks, it's going to need a change. So we need to understand that, that it's okay to start with a certain ratio of our macros and monitor it because it's not always going to stay the same. 
Okay, so let's say we're in the gym, and or you're in the gym, right? Uh, and you're uh, seeing everybody working out. What are some common things that you look at and you see, man, that guy's not getting anything out of his workout because he's not doing this or he's not doing that? Like some people, they'll swing their body uh, when they work out or maybe they're going too fast. What are the main things that people do in the gym when they're working out that actually takes away from their workout? And how do you know when you get, like, how do you get the most out of your workout? So the way to get the most out of your workout is to really be tuned in to your body and what the objective is on each movement. So a lot of people, they focus on form. And form is just the very first thing that we learn in executing an exercise to make sure that we're not doing it in a way that's gonna be damaging. But that seems to be as far as a lot of people go. They're not focused. They don't understand what is the requirement for that specific movement. I'll give you an example. If somebody is doing a single joint movement, like a bicep curl or a stiff arm pull down or something like that, um, those exercises have nothing to do with how much weight you're doing. A single joint movement, its purpose is about focus. It's about isolation. It's about being able to have as much control during that exercise as you can to activate as much muscle fiber as possible. So if you're doing something like a bicep curl and you're your focus should be um, on, your, on, your, you know, on your tempo, right? So if you're going through a contraction on that movement, the, the concentric part of that movement, you don't need to ride real slow and try to like, you know, really like squeeze and flex as much as you can. There's not that much breakdown happening. We want to get that contraction. We want to focus on really contracting our muscles. But the problem in the gym is a lot of people don't put enough focus on their negatives or the eccentric part of their movements. So they put a lot of focus on contraction, but then they move too quickly through their negatives. Now we, we don't want to move too slow throughout any workout because all we're doing, the, the slower that we move and when we're pausing and things like that, we're just exhausting our nervous system. If the purpose is muscle breakdown, you know, spend, a, spend you know, one to two seconds on a contraction, two to three seconds on a negative. Always put more of your focus on the negative part of the movement because that's where we're really enhancing the breakdown, okay? Um, people get carried away with single joint movements because they try to go too heavy, they're swinging them around. If you're not able to put two seconds on a negative for any exercise, your weight is too heavy, okay? Now, when we're talking about multi-joint exercises, squats, bench press, things like that, we still have a level of control in our eccentrics but we're also focusing on on getting enough weight per reps so the intensity in your exercises matters if i say kai you're going to do four sets of 10 mm -hmm. i want you not only to do four sets of 10 but i want you to do four sets of 10 where every rep has the same exact intensity as much as possible as the last one every set has the same intensity it doesn't matter how much weight you're doing. What matters is how it feels. Your body doesn't know what weight is. It only knows what, how stressful something feels on it. And we need to keep that consistent focus in our minds to whatever body part or muscle groups we're working at that time and hone in and ask ourselves, does this do, am I feeling this as much as I can? Does this rep feel just as much as the last one? Or did I do seven reps in these last three? These are the only three that I feel that, are, that feel like it's activating my muscles in, in a good way. Focus is something people lack. People are too distracted by either by going too heavy, by just focusing on getting the exercise done rather than focusing on doing it well, or distracting themselves with their phones or with the people around them. Focus and intensity are the two main things that we need to, we need to have when gain a result and also knowing when we're going through movements the the eccentric and the concentric part of a movement where do i really need to focus the most it's always going to be on the negative and you know and and that's something that i think a lot of people don't understand because the negatives what they burn they suck we want to get through that part you know but we all want to all want to ride through and you know, squeeze our bicep and squeeze our chest on the flies and get that pump. But it, that doesn't mean anything. Knowing what type of tempo that we need to have 
you know, I always tell people a good one to, to keep in mind for most of your exercises, you know, is one, two, one second on your contraction, two seconds on your negative. Putting that focus into each rep on each exercise that you do, that's going to yield a good result. We're not, we're not getting results when we move too quickly, go too heavy, and we lose our ability to control the weight that we're using. We lose the focus on our body parts because we're just going through an action. That's what I see that limits people the most. So like in the, in the gym, especially, I know this is a problem with guys when they're just trying to add on so much weight, you, you see that that's a problem too, right? Like it's, uh, what, what is the main problem you said with that? I know you talked a bit about that, but uh, when they're just trying to go too heavy, they're not, maybe their form's out of shape or what would you recommend those guys do? So the problem with going too heavy means that you're losing, you're losing control. If we're doing an exercise for power, a one rep max, we're not, we're, our, our only objective is weight. It's how much weight can we move in that one rep with as much power as we have. When we're doing a working set of something, curls, uh, you know, a, a working set of bench press, whatever it is, we need to make sure that we have control over the weight we're using. It doesn't matter how much weight you're doing for eight reps. It matters how much control and intensity you have in those eight reps. So if I see a guy who's puts two, two plates on his bench press, right? He has 225 on there and he's powering through, trying to get eight reps, very sloppy, um, tempo is off. Not only is that person not building strength, really, that they're gonna maintain, even though they're exerting a lot of energy, but they're also not activating that much muscle fiber. They're just exhausting their system. They're burning out their nervous system rather than building it up. They're not, they're, they're shocking their muscles, but they're not activating as many muscle fibers in those reps to get that quality development. The problem with going too heavy is that you lack focus, you lack control, you're not activating enough muscle fibers, period. Strength will come over time if you, if you take the time to work in weight increments that you can really work to your advantage in the rep ranges that you're shooting for on your sets. And the strength that you build that way over a, a period of time, your body is going to really maintain. You know, it's, it's, it's the, there's the, the ego lifting, you know, the, the getting carried away, jumping too much weight on each set, you know, jumping 20 plus pounds on, on sets and shocking your nervous system versus priming it up and building it up to be able to handle a heavier work capacity while having more control while recruiting more muscle fiber to do so is the problem. If we wanna go heavy, I'm all for heavy lifting, but how are we building up our nervous system to those heavier working sets to where we still have that, that type of activation going into it? Because moving something heavy, just, just moving it, doesn't make a difference whatsoever. Uh, it's very interesting to hear, man. Um, I just have a couple more questions before we start wrapping it up. Um, so cardio and weightlifting, there's different benefits. What are they? I see a lot of people who are runners. Um, some people, like, how much cardio should you do? How much weightlifting should you do? And how is that conducive to getting to your goals? Like, like what is the difference? That's a good <laughs> question. Um, you know, when, when, I was a, when I was a teenager, I was bodybuilding. I'd been bodybuilding for years at that time. Um, I also was into running. I got into cross country. I did distance running. I did both. And the thing about it is it really comes down to, to how much time you have. How much time in a week do, or in a day do I have to be at the gym? Okay, like when we're talking about building up our, our, our bodies, maintaining strength, muscular balance, um, getting the ener burning that extra energy, resistance training is always going to be your foundation. It's always going to be your bread and butter. Um, anyone that I feel like cardio is, is essential for people to do, you know, at least a couple times a week, unless there is something specific you're training for that requires a level of endurance or an extra level of cardio. Also the type of weight training that you're doing. You know, if I have, if you're training like a power lifter and your overall endurance is very uh, endurance output in your weightlifting routine is very low, then you're not getting much of a cardiovascular push. When we're doing cardio, it really helps strengthen 
um, our heart and our lungs and help increase blood flow and oxygen uh, uptake. And that is crucial for any endurance athlete as well as any bodybuilder. Okay, so bodybuilders, we tend to be working at a moderate to higher rep range. So we're getting, we're getting into that realm of cardio when we're pushing through these sets, these supersets, these, you know, six, seven sets of, you know, 15 reps or whatever it is. We're going to get cardio in our mix as long as we're keeping a good pace of what we're doing. So I feel like cardio is either for doing it for just to help strengthen our cardiovascular system, mm-hmm. you know, a couple times a week in, uh, in conjunction with a weightlifting routine is going to be enough. Um, if we're talking about using cardio to lose weight, well, cardio is just an additional tool to burn an additional amount of calories. So if we have our weightlifting routine in play and we're adding that to the mix two, three days a week to help us burn more, then that's fine. I'd say when it comes to weightlifting, um, the people, where I've gotten the most results in terms of strength, development, is really coming in and having a good, solid program set up for about four days a week. Now, why four? Why not five? Why not six? Because if we're trying to optimize growth, we're trying to optimize strength, we need to make sure that we're optimizing our recovery. So if I have you training in a very intense manner, meaning your focus and your effort, okay, and you're maximizing the amount of muscle fiber that you're breaking down on a daily basis. We gotta match that with the appropriate amount of time of rest so that we recover, because we're not growing when we're working out, we're growing when we're resting, we're building strength when we're resting, okay? So the most success that I've gotten with my bodybuilders and my strength athletes and, and people around the board, men and women, is dropping them from their five-day, six-day split and taking them down to four. Do your rest days need to be always the same? No. You can split that up however you feel it feels good for your body. Um, But having a good, intense workout sessions that you keep a minimum frequency, right? Say four times a week, maybe five. No one should be weightlifting more than that in a week. If you are, then you're, you're not training hard enough or you're overtraining and you're not getting the results because you're not recovering properly. Cardio, two, three times a week. There's different ways to approach it. If you're like a steady state kind of person, you know, it's best to do that post-workout because then you're already in kind of a depleted state. So you can go right into burning uh, extra body fat, depleting more glycogen, you know, so you have more use for the carbohydrates in your diet. Um, if, you're, if you're doing cardio um, fasted, if you're one of those guys or girls that's just trying to, wants to do it in the morning before they work out, okay, they're trying to burn more fat, you know, you're not going to do that for, you're not, you know, going to do an hour duration of that like you would post-workout, right? You're going to keep us a shorter duration, you know, 25, 30 minutes. But also with that, you know, there's understanding how do I eat around this? If we're doing cardio five days a week and we're lifting weights five days a week, are we eating enough food? Because if we're not, we're not going to burn as much fat. We're not going to, we're going to, we're going to get softer. We're not going to, we're going to get burned out. We're not going to have the look that we want to have from overtraining. You know, we want to have a good moderation of frequency with whatever style of training that we're doing so that we can get more out of it. I'm glad you thought you brought up the, the rest point. Cause I know a lot of people, they'll try to overdo. Maybe they're working out seven days a week, like you said. So uh, from what I get so far, diet is, you said, uh, a good 75% of, you know, reaching your goals. Uh, Rest is also another good one. Um, But when it comes to picking a personal trainer, so you can walk into any Lifetime Fitness, any 24-hour, any whatever gym, and there'll be tons of personal trainers. Even like on Instagram now, uh, social media, everybody's trying to do, uh, make their own mark, especially in the fitness industry or on YouTube especially, it's just like you said, saturated with so many different people. So for the average person who's a beginner or they've been working out for a while but they never had a personal trainer before, what kind of things would you say for them to look for in a, picking a personal trainer? That's a great question. In fact, that's probably my favorite question in this interview. Um, when it comes to picking a good personal trainer, you know, we, we, like you said, not all personal trainers are the same. We all know there's, there's a different variety of, of styles. Um, it comes down to a few things. One, 
what type of knowledge base or background does someone have? Okay, does somebody have an understanding of sports nutrition? That's gonna be important. Does somebody have an understanding of building um, muscle mass, working on, on muscular correction and muscle balance is gonna be key. Not saying they have to have a bodybuilding background, but have some understanding of those fundamental principles. Okay, now another thing to look for too is if somebody is going to help you, if your goal is to build strength, everything that has to do with strength has to do with understanding our nervous system and how we build up our nervous system to build our strength. So if you're having an assessment with a personal trainer and your goal is to build some muscle, build some strength, you want to condition, learn better lifestyle habits, and your trainer has a more specialized focus. They focus with um, runners, cyclists, or they consider themselves to be a, um, a functional fitness trainer or something that's, that seems to be very vague or very um, specific or kind of niche. You know, you want to you pay attention to that. Also, too, it's, it's when, you're, when you're talking with these trainers, you know, are they, are they actually talking with you to get all the information they need to understand your genetics, you know, your habits, you know, like what is going to help you? Or are they talking about themselves? I've noticed this a lot where I've seen trainers on assessments just going on and on about bragging about themselves, what they say they can do what kind of person they are. At the end of the day, they're not getting any information from that person that tells them about what kind of diet they need, what kind of workout program they need. What are some things that they're gonna run into that's gonna be hard for that individual that they're gonna have to learn how to work through together? You know, so like it comes to, you know, how engaged is that person with you and getting to know you, getting to figure out your body, how it moves, what it needs, and also having the credentials in those fundamentals. When someone says, I could help you lose weight or gain muscle, then do you understand the fundamentals of bodybuilding? Bodybuilding doesn't mean building as much mass as you can. It doesn't mean big, beefy Arnold Schwarzenegger type of guy. It means understanding how to build muscle. Do we know those fundamentals? Do we understand how to, use, how to work the nervous system to build strength? Do we understand sports nutrition? If we don't, and all we know how to do is take somebody through some circuit training, some boot camp style workouts. That might not be the most qualified person to help you set up the kind of foundation you need and also be able to teach you the why. Here's why we're setting up our foundation this way. Here's the why, the things that you need to know, the fundamentals you need to know. You're gonna have trainers that'll just put people through workouts, just take them through whatever. There's try to make them sweat, make them tired, but there's no rhyme or reason behind it. And then you'll have trainers that actually put together a plan and they have a reason for why. Why am I doing this many reps? Why am I doing this many sets? Why am I eating this way? If your trainer can't explain to you the why and doesn't take an interest in understanding who you are mentally and physically, rather than you know, just bragging about themselves, then that's not the trainer that you want to work with. So just keeping that in mind, you know, they don't need to have the, the fanciest certifications. They don't need to have a master's degree to know what they're talking about. Because I've worked with trainers that have master's degrees that don't know a whole lot when it comes to those fundamental principles that get the best results. So when would you recommend for someone to, to switch their uh, personal trainer? That's a really good question. I'd say if you're working, depending on what your goal is, right? Let's say your, your goal is weight loss and you know, you're, you sit down with your trainer and your trainer, you guys set a weight loss goal. Let's say your goal is to lose, overall goal is to lose 50 pounds. And you've been working with that trainer, let's say we're going on, you know, 16 weeks now, about four months. And you've lost maybe five pounds each month. You know, if, 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 or less than, let's say, let's say you're losing maybe a pound a week, maybe some weeks you don't lose it, right? If you're so new into your program and you're not seeing a consistent linear progression, that's a problem. Now, a lot of people have these really high expectations of how much they think they, 
they should be losing or gaining per week. In my opinion, making small amounts of progress each week or each month is going to be way more sustainable long term, whether it's adding five pounds every month to your one rep max or, mm-hmm. you know, losing, you know, five to 10 pounds every month in a healthy way, however it's coming off, you know, gaining, you know, maybe, you know, three, two to four pounds of muscle every month. If you are starting out in your first eight weeks, don't expect a lot because you're implementing a, a new, a whole new lifestyle, a whole new change of things. Your body's trying to adapt. We're just starting this process. But moving forward a couple more months after that, if you've been with your trainer going on, let's say, 16 weeks, and you've, you've, you know, haven't even seen a quarter of that, of that progress that you've expected to, that's a problem. And then there, there are, and I see that all the time, is, you know, you'll have somebody, let's say somebody comes in and says, I want to lose 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. They set them up on the diet. They're doing the workouts. They're with their trainer. Here we are 10 months later and they've only lost 10 pounds <laughs> and they're, they're struggling. And mm-hmm. your trainer goes, it'll come, it'll come. We just have to keep being patient. We just got to stick to the diet. Maybe let's come in, do an extra cardio session. Get away from that trainer. That trainer has no idea what's going on. They're not able to assess why is something not working, okay? Um, I'd say a lot of people have these unrealistic expectations in eight weeks. So let's get out of that eight week mentality. But if you're not seeing a reasonable amount of change, you know, starting to begin or already in the process of happening by that four month mark, then you should probably start thinking about working with a different trainer. Mm. Thanks for that advice. I'm pretty sure that alone is going to help a lot of people. Um, but one of my last questions is for someone who actually does want to become a fitness trainer, like let's say that's their passion, that's their goal, that's what they're working to currently. Uh, what, would, what advice would you give them on their journey to becoming like one of the best uh, fitness trainers they can be and helping out as many po- people as they want to help out? Great question. I would say don't limit yourself. Don't get stuck to a niche. Don't be afraid to um, broaden your knowledge base and the type of clientele that you work with. Um, a lot of people come in the game thinking, I'm gonna, I'm gonna specialize in one area or I'm more comfortable working with a certain type of individual. And that's gonna be very limiting. Mm-hmm. When we, when anyone coming into personal training, whether you're more of a fan of movement correction, rehab, whether you're more of a fan of, of endurance training, you know, plyometrics, explosiveness, coordination, you can be a fan of something. You can have a passion in the field that you love to do that maybe you do specialize in, but make sure that you are not limiting yourself to that niche and that you are furthering your education and understanding the other realms of fitness, the bodybuilding side, the strength building side, the the movement and, and functionality side. Make yourself as well-rounded with those fundamentals as possible because the problem with a lot of people coming in as, as a personal trainer nowadays, they, they just want to focus on the things that they like. Mm-hmm. And you're not, every person that comes around is not just going to be focused on what you like. They might have different goals or need you to understand other realms of that spectrum more in depth to help them when they're hitting certain plateaus. If you don't understand those fundamentals, you're not going to be able to recognize when certain things are not working or what's not working, you know? So just don't, don't come into the game with this limited mentality of what kind of niche trainer you want to be. Make sure that you understand the whole spectrum. That's, mm-hmm. that's going to be really important for anyone wanting to get in this field and not only do well, but feel comfortable and confident with whoever they end up working with. So definitely consistently learn in various different types of workouts. Exactly. You know, make sure that you, you understand nutrition, make sure that you understand strength and muscle building, and then make sure that you understand movement and corrective movements. You know, you don't have to be a specialist in any one category, but if you understand how all these things work and work together, then you understand how to train your clients. You notice, you, you'll be able to recognize what's happening, what's changing, what's not changing. You know, what, what are they communicating to you when, when they're saying how something feels? You know, 
it's um the, the personal training realm there's there's so many aspects of it and there's so many different um specific routes that one can go so coming into the game i'd say if you want to specialize in something that's great go for it but don't limit yourself to to the whole spectrum don't think because you want to work with runners that you're not going to run into that you're not going to need to have the knowledge base about basic bodybuilding fundamentals when you have these people in front of you that need to build and balance parts of their body and their muscular system otherwise you're not going to know what to do you know so don't don't come into the game being a niche trainer um don't come into it um you know uh, with with the gimmicky type of workout stuff and nutrition stuff learn the fundamentals in each spectrum have that down as your foundation and then wherever you want to further your knowledge from and specialize in do that second but don't do that first because that's going to be very limiting awesome perfect man um so that's pretty much it for this episode but is there anything else that you want to tell uh fitness people or anything about fitness at all is there anything else that you want to say or give advice about or warn or anything like that you know um not so much about the work outside you did mention in the beginning you know about like mentality being important and you know i just wanted to say that when it comes to our mentality right when it comes to how we are looking at a goal or you know whatever it is i always tell people to not focus on the goal but focus on focus on the everyday focus on the process don't build your excitement around the goal because that means that all you're aiming for is that goal and once you get there you might you might not have as much excitement you might not have as much motivation to maintain when we're talking about cultivating motivation and being optimistic even if we even if we are trying to get to a goal that we've never reached before get to a body composition that we can't visualize but you know we know we want to get there you know your focus shouldn't be and your motivation shouldn't just strictly come from the goal your motivation and your focus should come from what changes you're making each day you know the workouts how much effort did i put into my workout what is it that i need to do today right did i get my meals in did i take care of my body well today if you can motivate yourself and just focus on those parts just the daily parts of the process rather than the end result when you get the result you're not going to have a change or shift in your motivation because that wasn't what you were focused on that part was bound to come it was going to come because you were focused on the process so i tell people try to find motivation in the process rather than motivation on your goal that that goal body that goal you know one rep max who cares right motivation is going to come and go you're not always going to be motivated and if you're only doing things when you feel motivated you're not going to get anything done if you're only motivated by the end goal well guess what it's not here now and it's not going to be there tomorrow so that motivation is going to come and go keep your motivation on the daily things that you need to do they're going to help reach that goal. If you can make yourself excited at the end of the day, you're excited because you ate all your meals. You're excited because you got a good workout, you focused really well. That's your motivation. Then you wake up the next day and say, "I'm excited and motivated to do that again." The end result, don't even think about it. That's not even that doesn't matter right now. It's not here right now. The only thing that matters right now is what you're doing in the present moment. that's going to lead to that goal. So, you know, I'd say tell people like if you have a goal, focus on the process. Don't focus on the goal. And when you get there, you're going to keep it rolling. I love it, man. That that reminded me of one of my favorite quotes. It's um uh what was it? It was something like uh don't focus on the goal, focus on the person you become in trying to achieve that goal. And so basically I'm, it's just uh just the hard work. Just fo- fall in love with the hard work with the process of doing it. and yeah absolutely so. absolutely you know i i i reached my goal i reached my my physical limits in about 8 years of training mm-hmm. i've been training for 18 years 
What keeps me going is not the goal. I hit my goal body years ago. Mm-hmm. I keep going because I have found, I've, I've, I've focused on the process. I have fallen in love with the process. I found the motivation in, in doing those things that either get, that got me there or that keep me where I am. So the goal is, is great because it gives you something to, to build a plan off of. But once you have that plan, Focus on that plan. Nothing else matters. Perfect. Thank you very much, Isaac. Uh, where can people reach you at? Well, people can reach me on Instagram. Um, I, I currently don't have a Facebook. Um, I do a lot of my networking through my Instagram. It's Isaac, I-S-A-A-C, letter Y-N-O-T. So Isaac, why not? Um, or people can reach me through email. I get a lot of email uh, requests for training and information. That's Isaac, I-S-A-A-C, letter G, um, and Broton at gmail.com. Um, those are the two easiest ways to reach me where I'm more active and I check my messages and stuff more frequently. Perfect. And I want to encourage everybody to look up this guy because he is a beast at what he does. He is incredibly inspirational, motivational. He's not a guy who kind of just like jumps on you and, you know, you know, he wants to actually help you to build up, uh, to reach your goals in, in a very encouraging and, uh, you know, uplifting way. So thank you again, Isaac, everybody else. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode and take care guys. Thank you.